Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. There is a part of me that thinks that every single person, person should have to live being a little bit poor once in a while in their life. Now, I'm not saying like really, really poor. I wouldn't want to put that on anybody. Uh, but having to, to understand the, the struggle a little bit of not getting everything you want, uh, I think is good for everybody to go through. And, and I will say I'm, I'm so blessed to say that in you know, 21 years of marriage, Crystal and I, we've never been in a spot where we've had to wonder where our next meal was going to come from. And one of the great things about the, this place that we live in is there's not a whole lot of people that, that deal with that. But I do remember a time when Crystal and I, we first got married, she was on the like five and a half or six year plan of school. And so she was finishing up her last year and a half and we got married and so I had to work. And what I did is I, I got a part-time job working as a youth pastor. I think I was making like 150 or 200 bucks a week doing that. And then I was part-time working as a, as a house painter. And sometimes the guy had work for me and some days he didn't. So I don't know, that first, first couple of years that we were married, I was probably making like 20,000, 22,000 bucks a year at the most. Um, now that is, that is 20 plus years ago. So it's a while ago and rent only cost like $350 for us. It was awesome. Uh, we didn't have kids come to find out kids are actually really expensive. Um, and so we didn't have to worry about that. We were, we were probably going a little bit cheap on things like life insurance. Cause they're like, we're going to live forever. Um, and so we weren't having to have the expenses that we have now, but, uh, it was really, really tight. Uh, tight to the point that we didn't have extra income to just throw at things. And so, um, you know, we'd, I, I've mentioned this before, we'd go out to eat and like everything that, w- time that we'd go out to eat, I'd be worrying about everything that we were buying. I'd watch Crystal putting food in her mouth. I'm like, that's 12 cents. That's 15 cents. Oh, this is hard. Um, but the one thing that we could always go to was Tuna Helper. I... To this day, I can't even look at Tuna Helper, but back then it was like, it was like, I don't know, 90 cents maybe for the two of us to eat a whole meal. That was okay. That's what we're going to, I actually looked this morning to how much Tuna Helper costs now. It's still only like a buck 66. So inflation's hit everything but Tuna Helper pretty well. Um, but it was, it, it's hard to live when all you're thinking about is finances. It's hard to live when you know you just don't have a whole lot. And being poor, it affects the way that you think about things. You know, back when we were younger and we were just barely getting by, tuna helper seemed like it was a good, healthy meal. And now I'm like, I don't know. I don't think I want to eat that anymore. Same thing with Big Macs, although they taste amazing. Um, But people, some other people, like our pastor David Clark from Beloit, he still eats spam. I don't know why or how, but the man eats spam. And so for the most part, most of us, the way that we think about stuff changes. And so if you think of yourself as poor, you live a little bit more frugally. If you think of yourself as rich, you wind up maybe buying things that you shouldn't necessarily be buying. How you see yourself matters. It changes how you think and how you live. And so today we're starting this four-week series in uh, uh, an area of the Sermon on the Mount called the Beatitudes. We're calling this, this series Fully Engaged. Um, it's a series, Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus, in, he speaks some amazing things in these Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is known really as the greatest sermon that's ever been told. It was told by Jesus, so obviously it's going to be pretty good. And at the beginning here, he's telling us some stuff that, uh, 
that we all need to, to be wise to listen to. And in this first section, he talks about the poor in spirit. And honestly, the poor in spirit is a phrase that is really complicated and hard for people to understand. Uh, it took me a long time to understand, like, what is this passage even, what does he mean by poor in spirit? What does a person look like if they're poor in spirit? Isn't it a bad thing to be poor in spirit? We think of being poor as a bad thing all the time. So to be poor in spirit, isn't that, isn't that wrong in some way? Does it mean that you, you, have, you have bad intentions? You don't have a good heart? What does it mean? And it might surprise you a little bit what Jesus is saying about the poor in spirit. And, and hopefully as we look through this, it might give you a, a little bit of a change in the way that you think about yourself. And so we're going to read this. It's really just three verses we're going to read today. It's Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. It says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, just to give a little bit of context for what's going on here. Jesus goes up on this mountainside. There's a, a crowd of people that are following him. And Matthew writes that he sat down. Now, this might seem like something that, that doesn't matter for us. It's a, it's a minute detail. Why, what, is it, what does it matter that Jesus sat down? Well, see, when, when teachers would stand up, it was because that they were reading something. So if a teacher was, was, was just reading from Scripture, they'd be standing up. But it says when they would sit down, it was because it was time to teach. And so we can see in this passage here, Jesus is ready to teach people something that they need to hear. So he sits down on this mountainside and he begins to teach something. He is following the normal cultural patterns of what a, of what a real teacher would do for these people. And I think knowing who the people is that he's talking to is also really important. Who are the people he's talking to? Jesus is talking to a crowd of people who are steeped in religion. These are people who are, are Jewish people, and they, they are used to hearing of themselves being called God's chosen people. That's what, that's what they've grown up hearing. You're God's chosen people. You're God's chosen people. And so they just kind of grew up, most of them, believing that it didn't matter really what was in their hearts necessarily. They were God's chosen people, and that's the way it was. They were steeped in religion. I wonder how many of you have ever heard of, in, like in sports, people being called the chosen one. It's happened from time to time. I follow sports a lot, as you know, because I talk about sports a little bit all the time. Um, but when you're, when you're watching sports, a lot of times these, these phenoms that come through the college ranks, they get called the chosen one. Uh, and for years, they were looking for who was going to be the next Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. I will fight you on that, okay? But he's the greatest basketball player of all time. But there would, during, even during his career, they're always like, who's the next one? Who's the next one? And one of the people that they called the chosen one, the next one to, to be the next Michael Jordan, was a guy named Harold Miner. I want you to raise your hand if you've ever heard of the name Harold Miner. All right, there are like, that's exactly what I thought. There's about five of you in here. This is a guy that played at USC during his college days. And he had all the flair that you could imagine of the guy who's going to be the next Michael Jordan. When he got to the NBA, it didn't quite work out that way. He played for the Miami Heat for four years, and then his career was done. He scored about nine points a game. His, probably the thing that he did the best was he won a slam dunk title. Now, I am, not, I am not belittling what this guy did. He made the NBA. He was a great basketball player. But did he match up with the chosen one thing that everybody was saying? No, he didn't. 
I'm not saying it was because he didn't work hard enough or anything like that, but I wonder, did he, did he buy into the chosen one talk at some point? Did he begin to believe that and just believe that's what he was going to be? It's hard to become what you're capable of becoming when you think you're already what you're supposedly capable of. If people are telling you something, man, sometimes we think we've short-circuited it and we've, we're already there. And Jesus wanted to teach these people who had been told that they were the chosen ones, that they were special. He wanted to teach them that it was something more than just being born into something. They had to have their hearts right with Jesus. And that wasn't easy for all of them to hear. So what does Jesus do to begin this teaching? He starts off by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, we need to talk about this word blessed or blessed. Uh, if you've ever heard a sermon on this passage, on the Beatitudes, there's a good chance that you've heard that to blessed, to be blessed means to be happy. And in some contexts, that, that probably can be what this word means. Um, this word that, they, that we get translate as blessed, it can be used either for people or for God. And if it's being used in the context of people, a lot of times it does mean that, okay, people, these people are happy. But it also can be used in the context of what God's judgment is of people. And so when it's used in that context of it being as God's judgment of people, it's, the word actually would be translated to approved, that you are approved by God. Now, in my opinion, based on the opinion of some other people that I read that, that know this stuff a lot deeper than I do, I actually think that blessed in this context is talking about being approved by God. So, when you are poor in spirit, you are approved by God. Now, still, that, that can be a little bit complicated, uh, difficult for us to understand. But it's important for us to understand that it's a little bit different than saying the poor in spirit are going to be happy. So I'm going to tell you what, the poor in spirit, what Jesus is talking about as the poor in spirit, it actually is a countercultural thing he's talking about. It's living in such a way, thinking about ourselves in such a way that's actually not to make ourselves happy. And so using it as though, uh, if you're poor in spirit, are going to be happy, I think that actually goes counter, counter to what Jesus is trying to say to us. He's saying something different. Whether it's approval from God or... or happiness that is the blessing being talking, talked about here. Either way, we know he's talking about it in eternity. Because at the end of the passage, he does say uh, it's about the kingdom of heaven. There's, theirs will be the kingdom of heaven. So it's something that we're looking to down, down in the future. Now, all these things I just said, said might be more knowledge than you needed when you're looking at this passage. Because the truth is, when we look at this passage, every single one of us, we read it and we say, what does he mean by poor in spirit? That's all I care about. He's saying, we need to be poor in spirit. I don't know what that means. So what does it mean? Let me tell you first, it has nothing to do with finances. Jesus is not saying anything about finances in this passage. Sometimes people think that he's saying something about finances. Because we've seen in other places in the Bible, Jesus has talked about uh, the difficulty of being rich and making it into heaven. Uh, Matthew 19, 24, he says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. What you need to know is Jesus is talking about two different kinds of poor in these two passages, Matthew 19, 24, and the Beatitudes. In the one I just read in Matthew 19, what he's saying is, 
You can't trust in your finances to get you into heaven. A rich person, their richness, their, their money is going to do them no good to get them to heaven. It's going to be easier for somebody to walk through the eye of a needle than for them to get to heaven because of their riches. But that doesn't mean that being rich is going to keep you out. A rich man who trusts in Jesus, that man is still just fine making it to heaven. Jesus is not against rich people, but rich people sometimes trust in their wealth at the expense of trusting in Jesus. In this beatitude, though, Jesus is not talking about financial wealth. But what he is referring to is trusting in another kind of wealth. He's talking about trusting in your own spiritual wealth, your own ability in and of ourselves to be spiritually healthy. Uh, the Greek word that, that is used here that's translated as poor, it actually is the same word that we would use for beggar. And so to understand what poor in spirit means, I think it's really good for us to think about what it means to be a beggar. Every single one of us, we've seen a beggar at some point in our lives. Um, you've been maybe in, in one of the bigger cities around the, around the country, and as you're walking down the street, somebody starts asking you for money. And there's, I don't care how cold-hearted a person you are, there is not a person who get, comes in contact with somebody who's begging them for money and their heart doesn't kind of, kind of, uh, it hurts. Doesn't mean that we always give to that person or anything, but there's, there's something about somebody being so vulnerable that they would put themselves at the mercy of someone else to give them money that they need today. That is, that's a hard place to be. That's a vulnerable place to be. A beggar is completely dependent on someone else for their well-being. Can I tell you somebody else who I see as a beggar sometimes? My own kids. Man, I tell you, my kids, they absolutely, I think I've mentioned this before, they love to watch a television show with their lunchtime. It's like the break in the day that they've been looking for ever since they woke up. Like, I can't wait till I watch a show while I eat food. And every single time I say, don't even dare ask me for a second show. Don't, don't even do it. Just Enjoy the show. And the show will get done, and every single time, Dad! And I know exactly what's happening. And I just say, no, you can't watch a second show. I told you. Now I'm going to tell your mom that you're bad kids. I don't do that. Well, sometimes I do. Um, or I just tell the whole church. Uh, they, they like that a lot, too. But there's something about kids. They just beg us for stuff all the time. They are at the mercy of their parents saying yes to them in a lot of situations of life. Hey, mom, can I go hang out with these kids? Hey, mom, can I, can I go and eat whatever I want in the kitchen? And they're just, they're beggars. They're always at our mercy. It's a vulnerable place to be, to depend on somebody else completely for something. It's putting yourself at their mercy, realizing that you can't take care of the situation all on your own. So the big question, we come back to it. Who are the poor in spirit? The poor in spirit are those who depend on God completely. And what are they depending on God for? They're depending on God for a right heart. They're depending on God for a clean spirit. I can't on my own have a clean spirit or a pure heart. And I am completely and utterly dependent on God for that. I am vulnerable to God for that clean heart. We're depending on God for forgiveness because we absolutely mess up and we have broken our relationship with God through the many things that we do. 
And this is the key to the understanding of this first beatitude of Jesus. The people who depend on themselves to be right with God will not experience the kingdom of heaven. Now, I know that that sounds really, really harsh. We live in a world where we don't like to hear that kind of thing. We don't like to hear that we need something outside of ourselves to get us into heaven. We believe, man, people in our world today, they really, really want to believe, I can, I can do good enough. If I do enough good rather than bad, I'm going to be okay and God's going to be happy with me. I got to say, it's, it's, it's hard to hear people talking like that sometimes. It's hard for us to imagine that I have to lean on somebody else for my right heart. For me to be made right with God. And sometimes we see it as a weight put on us. But I want to remind you, Jesus actually tells us that he's come to take the load off of us. Matthew 11, he says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I think that people, these people who are listening to Jesus, they had a problem. The people on this mountainside, they had a problem, and that problem was, is they've always been told that if they follow all the right rules, they're going to be fine. They're going to be right with God because they are God's chosen people. So you do the things that, that it talks about, that, that God says that you're supposed to do, and, and that's going to make you right with God. They were trying to be approved by God by following rules. By following a law. And that is something that we do as people all the time. Even people who have followed Jesus all their life, we slip back into this place of, if I, if I just do things the way that God wants me to do, he's going to be happy with me. But this, this passage is saying, blessed are those, approved by God are those who are poor in spirit, who realize their absolute utter need for God. That they can't do it on their own. When we realize that we fall incredibly short of God's standard, that's when we become blessed. It's hard sometimes to listen uh, to people talking at funerals because you'll hear people talking like, oh man, they were they're such a good person. They did so much good. Uh, and, and then a lot of times thinking that's what gets somebody to heaven. Now here's the deal. I, you and I, we don't know what's in a person's heart in their relationship with God. Only, that's between that person and God. But it's hard to hear people talking about, oh, they did enough good. We have to come to the place where we realize we are so poor in spirit. We are so incapable on our own to be what God's standard for us actually is. You can never be good enough on your own. You are full of mistakes and you need something beyond yourself to be made perfect for the kingdom of heaven. But I want you to see, do you understand how much more of a light load this brings to us? If you're living your life all the time to think, oh, man, i got to follow all the rules just the right way, just the right way, just the right way. That's a really hard way to live. Sometimes, I'll be honest, sometimes I do that in my relationship with my wife. Like, oh man, if I just, if I do everything, clean the house up the right way, and I'm, I'm a really good dad today, oh, my wife is just going to be so happy with me. And yet, it's like I don't, I, it leaves my brain knowing that she she has grace on me. She loves me despite the fact that I'm a really bad dad some days. That I'm really not that nice to her all the time. She loves me in spite of that. Think about the load that we would take off of ourselves if we stop saying, I have to be so right spiritually. And we start to trust Jesus as the one who's right for us.
we have to realize that we are spiritual beggars. We are vulnerable. We are completely dependent on Jesus. The poor in spirit, this is a guy named Robert Gulick says this, and I think it's really good. He says, the poor in spirit are those who stand without pretense before God, stripped of all self-sufficiency, self-security, and self-righteousness. The people who were standing on that mountainside the day that Jesus made this teaching known, they were trying to follow all the rules. They were being told every way that they were supposed to live. And without following those rules, they felt they were going to be far from God. But even worse, they felt that by following those rules, they were going to be completely right with God. But that's not the case. There simply is no law, there is no rule that you can follow that is going to get you to the place where you are going to be rich in spirit. Jesus is the only way that you're going to get there. He is all that we have to put our trust in. See, I think the Beatitudes of Jesus are a beautiful thing. These are statements, not law statements, that we have to follow. They are statements of grace. They actually point us back to Jesus. This, this first one is probably the most, it might be the most important one. I think he starts off with the most important thing sometimes. And if we can just get to that place where we fully understand that this is a grace statement where Jesus is saying, stop trusting yourself and trust me. It is so much easier. It takes the load off of us. He's telling us to stop trusting in ourselves. No matter how hard you try, you are never going to measure up to God's standard for you, but Jesus already has measured up to that. There is no greater, there is no greater truth that you're going to hear than that thing right there. You can't measure up, but Jesus measured up for you. I wonder if you've ever tried to be really good at a, at a job, uh, and you got this job, and you've been in it for a while, and eventually you're just like, I'm really bad at this. It's kind of a, it's kind of a bad feeling to get to, where you're like, this is my job, this is what I'm getting paid for, and I'm no good at it. But maybe you get to a place where you make that realization, and finally you just say, I'm done, I quit. And you quit the job, and, and actually, it probably feels kind of freeing, Right? To get out of a job that you're no good at, that you can't do, feels good to get out of it. But getting to that place where we say that we're poor in spirit, where we are incompetent on our own in our spiritual walk to be right, that's a hard place for us to get to. But also, it's not okay for us to just say, you know what, I'm incompetent spiritually. I am poor in spirit. And so I'm just going to give up. I'm going to quit. We also can't do that, right? I think what, what being poor in spirit looks like, it looks a little bit more like what it might look like in a marriage. Um, you know, between me and Crystal, there are things that we do around the house where some of us are good at some things and some of us are good at the other things. I love to mow the lawn and to vacuum floors. That's about it. It's about all I'm good for. I love to do those two things. Um, uh, the other things I struggle with. Can I, I, I tell you, my wife, she can, she can clean dishes so fast, like, 10 times faster than me. She watches me washing the dishes and trying to dry them and stuff. And she's like, oh, dear goodness, what's wrong with you? It's so slow to her. Well, I take it for the fact that she never, her parents still don't have a dishwasher at home. The kids were the dishwashers. And so she has a lot of experience. So she's good at that. And I tell you another thing I'm really, really bad at, when I get into a room that is full of my kids' mess, their toys, their, all their stuff, when a room is too messy with their stuff, it blows my mind. <laughs> like, I don't even know where to begin. 
Now, I could very easily say, you know what? I am incompetent at cleaning up this mess. I am very poor in this, Crystal. I am now going to walk to our room. I'm going to get in the corner. I'm going to suck my thumb and just stay there for a while until you're done cleaning. I could go that route. Or I could go, okay, honey, you're better at this. You take that. I'll clean, like, clean the kitchen for a little bit. I'll, I'll do anything except for toilets. I will do just about anything to help you out right now. That's actually a little bit what it looks like to be poor in spirit. When we're poor in spirit, when we get to the place where we realize, Lord, I am not good on my own. I am, I am not right in my heart. It isn't a place where we just give up. And we decide, you know what, I don't have to be right. Jesus is right for me. What we do is we say, okay, Jesus, I am not right in my spirit. But you are rich in spirit. Give me some of that richness. Show me today how it is that you want me to be a little bit more like you. Being poor or incompetent does not give us a pass to just give in. Some of you today, you, you've come in here and you, you've already come to the conclusion that you're poor in spirit. You see yourself as a failure spiritually. You feel like you can't do anything right and, and you feel like every time you try, you still, you just can't do it. You haven't figured it out. And it's frustrating. And maybe you're Maybe you're not one that you've just given in completely. You're living your life in a pretty good way. And if a lot of people looked at you, they'd be like, oh, they're following after Jesus pretty well. But you know that one thing that you just can't seem to, to figure out how to get right. And so you've got this whole life that's looking the way that you want it to look. But there's this one area that you've just given up in. You said, God, I can't be good at that. I can't, I can't be rich in spirit in that area. And so I've just given up. And I'm telling you, I think this morning Jesus wants to say, you might be poor, but I'm rich. I want to help you out. People don't go to AA meetings and, and acknowledge their, their addiction just so that they can give up. They also don't go to an AA meeting, acknowledge their addiction, and then all of a sudden everything's right. They acknowledge their addiction so that they can get help with that addiction. This is what Jesus is calling us to do. Our addiction is our sin. We are poor in spirit. That is what we are. And Jesus is calling us to come to the AA meeting and say, God, I am poor in spirit. I have nothing right in my heart except what you can give to me. But then it's realizing the richness of Jesus and letting him fill us with that richness. I absolutely believe that Jesus wants to fill us with that kind of richness. Recognizing your spiritual struggle is not meant to give you permission to accept that spiritual struggle. Recognizing your struggle is meant to remind you to let Jesus walk with you through that struggle. Are you letting Jesus walk with you through that struggle right now? Too many times I think Christians, we just give up in that place where we feel like we're incompetent. It's like half the people this week, they made their resolutions to eat better and to, to work out. And they realized on Tuesday, they stunk at that resolution. And so they just gave up. Don't give up. Please, as a follower of Jesus, don't give up. He is not asking you to take the load on yourself to be perfect, but he is asking you to let his richness come and help you out a little bit. We don't build ourselves up. We let Jesus do the building up for us. I think every single one of us, we have a next step to take in our relationship with Jesus. And I'm wondering today, what is that next step for you? Uh, for some of you, you uh, maybe even earlier when we talked about we're going to give you an opportunity to get baptized. 
Maybe your heart started beating in your chest like, I don't want to, but I think I should. I think I should let the whole world know, get in front of a bunch of people and let the world know I'm following Jesus. And I'm dying to my old self and I'm coming into this new life with Jesus. Maybe your next step this morning is going to be at, at the end of this time to meet me over there at those, at those doors and we'll get you baptized. Maybe your next step looks a little different. Maybe, uh, you know, January 21st and 28th, we're going to actually be doing uh, a Difference Maker job fair to, to give you opportunities to see how you can serve at church here. Maybe you've been feeling God's been calling you to serve and you've been saying, no, I don't want to. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe your next step is to get involved with some kind of a small group. Um, to get to a central men group or a central moms group or some other kind of group. Maybe it's to open up the Bible and, and read God's word for yourself a little bit every day or to, to spend a little bit of time praying every single day. Every single one of us has a next step. Part of that next step is realizing that we are poor spiritually. That I'm in need of Jesus. And there's areas in my life where I need him to come in and make me rich today. See, without God's guiding hand present with us every day, we are going to walk a path of spiritual degradation. Our spiritual life is going to go downhill every single day that we don't tap into the richness of Jesus. Are you tapping into the richness of Jesus right now? Because you're poor, poor spiritually on your own, you need to fully engage with God in a way that he is able to pour himself into you. How are you choosing to wake up every single day and let Jesus pour into your life? It's a daily decision that we have to make because we are poor in spirit. We cannot do this on our own. This first beatitude, it's all about our desperation for, for God. Are you desperate for God? Are you at the place of a beggar knowing that you are incapable on your own and you absolutely need God? I want to have that kind of desperation in my life. And here's the thing, I don't always have that kind of desperation. None of us do because we're poor in spirit. I need to even ask God to give me that desperation today. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.